0: welcome to pain to power your go-to destination for real life stories genuine conversations and a splash of reality along with some real estate insights all in one place i am your host kayla cardona and i invite you to join me on this transformative journey together we'll delve into raw unfiltered talks and experiences of overcoming adversity finding the path to resilience, and rising above the pain. This is the podcast that empowers you to break through the barriers, elevate your life in every aspect, and unlock your true potential, regardless of your circumstances. And of course, we'll sprinkle in some good laughs and entertainment along the way. Welcome to Pain to Power. Let's go.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You are in for a treat today. I am so honored and thankful to have the one and only Tim Story. I'm sure you have heard of him. If you haven't, I encourage you to go follow him, read his books. I'll have everything linked in the description. Learn from this man because he will help change your life. Tim Story is an acclaimed culture-influencing thought leader, life strategist, author, speaker, and counselor, known for his insight and coaching among high-profile individuals. Whether it's one-on-one or in groups of more than 20,000 people, he is able to connect on a personal level with people of all walks of life, from entertainment executives, celebrities, business moguls, and professional athletes, people like Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, Grant Cardone, Lewis Howes, Vital Sassoon, Kanye West, Christina Hall, and just so many more. One of his close friends and business partner, I'm sure you heard of her, Oprah Winfrey quoted, Tim believes no matter what we're facing, we're all capable of turning any setback into a comeback. And that is what we're delving in today along with so many other incredible topics that's going to really help you if you're currently feeling like you're being held back or stuck or in a place of personal recovery and discovery. So let's get right into it. Mr. Tim Story, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: What a privilege. I'm glad that you have this show and that you're helping people to get better, right?
1: Yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, it was funny because I've I, i um, I've been praying about it. I've been thinking about it because I wasn't sure. I'm like, God, I have so much on my plate. I don't know if this is something I really want to put on my plate. And so I took all the pressure off with, you know, the edits and the videos and the, all the things, but for now I take the pressure off by saying it's, you know, it's an audio experience, but um, yeah. So thank you again for taking the time out of your day today. When you say that you kind of lived in that like pain and joy, where do you think that came from like both sides because i think a lot of people listening to this when they think of their past they think of more of like just the pain and so what made you like at such a young age think of both like what what was that for you
2: yeah both would be like let's say being over my uncle's house in pico rivera california and my uncle and my father and other relatives drinking way too much and arguing with each other. But at the same time, I'm in my cousin Esther's room with some other cousins, and we're discovering Motown music for the first time. So it's it's an amazing thing that there could be like pain in one part, and then the first time I ever heard Stevie Wonder at the same time. So that seemed to be the, the constant thing of like our parents taking us to church, but arguing on the way up and the way back. Mm-hmm. So it was never uh, what I saw on TV. It wasn't like the Brady Bunch or the Partridge family where it seemed like a big plate full of, of joy. There was always a mixture, but I'm I'm now grateful for that because there's not much I cannot handle.
1: Mm, exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've noticed a lot of the greatest people in the world really have, um, you know, they've gone through the most and, and yeah. coming out of that is is a, is a a beautiful thing. What would you say was like really a turning point or catalyst for you that helped you shift from a place of pain to a place of power?
2: I would say that for me, um, discovering sports as a young person, um, in my neighborhood, there was a kid named David Gonzalez in Whittier, California. We moved from Compton and then later ended up in Whittier. And he was probably about five years older than me. So when I was like um, only seven, that would have made him 12 and he was a phenom. He was so good. As a high school quarterback, he was good baseball player. He was good basketball player. So can you imagine a 12-year-old teaching a 7-year-old? And so he took my skill set to like, boop,
0: boop, 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 boop.
2: So that was pretty cool because now I had something to really be proud of. Hmm. And um, I was like a quiet guy, but funny at the same time. And But my skill set in sports gave me a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. and I needed that because at the house we still had like the confusion but going outside of the house and playing baseball basketball and football I had a lot of applause like like this kid's really got something unusual so I'm very thankful to um, some of my young mentors that helped bring that out of me
1: I love that. That was actually going to be my next question. Who or what were your sources of inspiration and support during your journey and how did they impact your transformation?
2: Yeah, so I can actually add to that. So we we take the young neighbor and then we can also take my 6th grade school teacher who asked me to stay after class one day and he said, "Timmy, can you stay after class and you could hear like the class go like, ooh, like they thought I was in trouble. And he said, Timmy, I wanted you to stay after class because I think you are. And then I thought, you are what? And I started thinking, you're a good dancer because I won this the dance contest, which I should have. Uh, you're a good basketball player. I noticed he was at my games. He says, I think you are brilliant. And my mother was so busy that she never branded me brilliant. No one ever ever asked me and uh, about you know too much about school and things like that. But for the sixth grade teacher to brand me brilliant, wow. And you know, you would have thought I would have pushed it away. I just went like this quietly and went like, boom mm-hmm. and I just I, I went with that. So there's something about a label and a tag and I was I was labeled brilliant early on and I just went with it.
1: I love that. I know a lot of people listening to this can think of moments where they were told by people, uh, usually authority, or and mostly parents, you know, that that one thing that they were titled or called really affects them really for the rest of their lives, right? So for you to be labeled that at such a young age, I bet that that was like just such a um a a point a turning point for you like yeah
2: (laughs) but no but i I like the way you frame that right there you you frame that perfectly because a label is a marker or tag because i i teach on this Mm -hmm. and it denotes three things your value like gucci christian louboutin prada Louis Vuitton, that's like a certain label that denotes a value. And then it also is your usage. Like I have water here, so it's marked water. So that's how I should partake of it. But also a, a label denotes your 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 content of, of what's inside you. Mm-hmm. So when this guy said, you're brilliant, that said something about my, my value, my usage and my content, mm-hmm. but but how, how cool is it that I just said, okay. And I just aligned myself with that. And I really stuck to that from, from, from even before that, but mm-hmm. early on, all the way till this day.
1: So what would you say to someone that has experienced someone of authority or someone they looked up to or even their own parents that has labeled them or titled them something that is actually extremely hurtful and very negative and it kind of still affects them still to this day what would you say to that person
2: yeah so what you have to do is that whatever label one is put on you and you know i know you're at least part latin you and you know that we put labels on people.
1: Yeah, like even for
2: fun. We all have cousins that have like interesting like uh, nicknames.
0: Yeah,
2: but you have to say, okay. Number one, is that label true? Um, and then number two, um, why was that label said about me? Okay, and if it's not true. Um, what label is true about me? Because there are certain labels that people have brought on themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they they got drunk at a lot of family get-togethers. So then somebody created some label or a tag or a marker. Okay? So you got to say, is it is it true? Why did I get it? And if it's true, how can I change it? And if it's false, what is my real tag or label? Because we all, we're all labeled. Like, let's go there for a second. Okay. So I remember dating this girl when I was 19. And I took her to Thanksgiving and I said to her, okay, now, when we go in the house, let me tell you some people you're going to meet.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And I literally told her about all the different relatives and cousins and people she was going to meet just so she knew what she was dealing with. So if you really think about it, I was kind of labeling people. Like you you might mm-hmm. sit next to my face and she's a bit of a gossip. And my, my mother likes to cuss a lot, even though she goes to church a lot too. So um, a label can be changed, but it's very important that, we understand the right label because the label creates a language.
1: Mm. What
2: what you believe about yourself is what you'll start speaking.
1: Yeah, that's very, very powerful. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. You're mm. known as the comeback coach, and yes. I kind of want to dig into that a little bit. Um, when people hear those kind of stories like yours and hearing the word comeback right um you think most i think most people feel like they need something like huge or grand to happen for it to be the comeback you know yeah have like like this big sort of break i guess for people to have a transformational moment um it's really for me i think it's it's i want you to explain better than than myself but it I think it's really important for people to understand that a comeback doesn't have to be something so big and grand. It could be something smaller, it could be little wins, it could be, you know, little steps, right? So can you kind of explain like in exactly what that means and what that looks like?
2: Yeah, number 1 well said. So I think that most people as you say are looking for something monumental, just gigantic. Like I was broke and I won the lottery.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: I was sad. And then I met this amazing guy in Italy. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it usually <laughs> happened that way. <laughs> so first let's understand what a setback is. To be set means to be fixed, to be locked to be solidified, to to be set. To set back is that you are locked backwards, okay? Uh-huh. So let me give you an example. I'm sitting on an airplane on American Airlines, first class, talking to an older Caucasian man. So he recognizes who I am from CNN News, because I used to do CNN News all the time. And he says, can I ask you a few questions about life? I said, sure. So we were chatting and I said to him, are you single or are you married? He says, I'm divorced. I said, no, no, no. Are you single or are you married? He says, I'm divorced. I said, no, two category question. Mm -hmm. Are you single or are you married? And they started laughing. He said, wow. I said, see, when you say divorced, you're locking yourself under a label. Mm-hmm. I said, just so you could understand, how long ago were you divorced? He said, 22 years ago. So wow. what he has done is he has set himself back in a setback 22 years ago. I said, are you single? you married? All he had to do is say, I'm single. Door mm-hmm. number one or right. door number two. Mm-hmm. So that is a setback. So most people, when they have a setback, they sit in the setback. Some people settle in the setback, and some people cement themselves in the setback. To sit is temporary, okay, and that mm-hmm. can happen. It happened during the pandemic. It can happen through uh, somebody getting laid off at a job. Could be a breakup in a relationship where you sit for a season.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But some people sit. Then, what I said: some people settle. And in the settling, we have to be very careful because we can become a discount version of ourself. Mm. So this, this is what I attack, and this is where I cannot be beat. I do not let people settle because everything in them wants to almost say, hey, I had this alcohol problem, so this is what I deserve, or I went through this, so this is what I deserve. No, I disagree. So don't sit, don't settle, and don't cement yourself in the setback.
0: Can
1: you unpack a little bit of what settling means?
2: Yes. So settling to me is to live in the land of okay. Um, How's your job? Okay. How are your kids? Okay. How's your life going? Okay. Okay. That's completely the opposite of how most people thought when they were kids. So if I would have come to your school when you were little and little Kayla was there and you're five, six, or seven, but this is really, really good for people because that situation that we're talking about settling, mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many times both of us have been very tempted to just settle. So let's go after it.
1: Yeah, like the reason why I asked now I'm about to get a little personal here. Am I sounding clear?
2: Yes, totally. Okay.
1: Okay. So for my, I don't really like to talk about this, um, yeah. but for the listeners, I think it's really important. The reason why is because the word settle really became profound to me because I was in a relationship. Oh my gosh, I think it's been like four months now ago and I and I I broke off the relationship. It wasn't that long it was the longest relationship I've ever had, but it wasn't that long um and it took me over ten years to be in my first relationship i I'll give you just a quick backstory as to why it took me so long to be in a relationship. you know a little bit about my story. I grew up in chaos trauma, you know um Got You know, went through a lot of mental problems with my family, kicking me out of the house at the age of 17, pregnant, living in shelters, and then homeless. So you can only imagine the trauma I was going through and the buildup of obviously living in pain, living in hurt, and going through abandonment issues, trust issues you know, I wasn't close to anyone. I didn't have family. I did not have friends and I was going through everything alone. And so I, there was a few years in the beginning of my son's life that I lived in this victim mentality. This was before my spiritual awakening. This was before you know i woke up one day and said this i'm this i'm done i'm done living this way i'm done being angry i'm done being mad at the world i'm done at hating men and i was just i mm-hmm. was just tired and so i finally had to go through my process which was to start with unlearning everything i've ever known reprogram yes. my entire mindset in life And, and then once I had to reprogram, I had to start learning new things, starting being surrounded by the right people. And so if you think about it, I mean, that took years just to unlearn, (laughs) you know, so, and, and the healing process took a very long time. So, so I knew I was, I was awake enough I realized that I could not put myself in a relationship being this hurt being this broken and seeing life in a certain way so I had to go through the healing process but then when I went through that then I got used to being alone (laughs) I Mm -hmm. found peace in being alone and I realized I like it here like I really do and so when I met this guy Um, I won't get super into it, but he seemed very familiar and, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: and it was comfortable. And I was like, okay, I really, I, I really like this guy. We were like best friends, Um, but you know, great guy, but he just wasn't for me, but I, I found myself settling, but I didn't know necessarily what that meant. And so if you can go ahead and break that down Um, But that's my experience with that word settling and not settling for just okay.
2: Well, number one, thank you for telling all of us that because you don't have to. And in fairness to you, is that you are just trying to respond to life. Mm. And the fact that you are a woman gets a lot of attention. And so for you, you've had to have very strong boundaries probably at a very early age. Yeah, And then you started getting healed enough to get into a relationship, right? And so what, what happens many times though, because of our past pain, because this is what your podcast is about, because of our past pain, that we don't properly appraise ourselves. I beg you to hear what I'm saying. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And we almost put ourselves on some form of a discount rack. And so this happens to a lot of people because they think, okay, look what I went through when I was a child, or look at this uh, situation I went through as an adult. And I know I used to aspire to do that or have someone like this, but now I need to bring it down a little bit. And that is settling, That is bringing it down a notch. That is what I call becoming a discount version of yourself. And the interesting thing about it, Kayla, many times people do that without realizing they're doing that.
1: Right. And that's in every part of your life. It's also your, right. Your work, your, your family, even. (laughs) Um, Yes.
2: Well, let's oh, yeah. go through that real quick because okay. there's different parts of you. watch you have your in life they called the wheel of life you have your spiritual then you have your mental which is your uh, strength of mind and your clarity of mind then you have your physical the body then you have your job you have your finances your family your relationship with a romantic relationship, single or not single, that you're socialized. So you're exactly right. When you start to discount yourself in one area, I find that most people start to discount their, themselves in every area.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, so for people that are listening to that, probably feels like, oh, wait a minute, that's a lot. That is a lot to to hear and to accept right so for people listening and they just heard your message what can one do to you know take the next step if they know from listening to this i'm actually settling what can one do to kind of get out of that and into the life they know they could be living
2: yeah. The the way that we realize we're settling is three three ways. And the reason I'm so good at this topic, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I life coach people out of tough situations. So there's three ways that we get out. Number one is education. So let's say you might read a book by Brene Brown, like Daring Bravely, or you may read a book by Miracle Mentality. So So what happens is that we learn through education, we learn through conversation. So let's say you go to to lunch with a really great person who's smart and you just dialogue with them just about life. You may leave that lunch and go, doggone it, that person was on, they're like at a hundred watts. Like, why am I dimming myself to 60? That doesn't mean you told them that, but you know it's true. Mm -hmm. So we learn from education, conversation, watch how cool this is, observation, observation. So I'll never forget my sister, one of my sisters is older than me, she was dating this guy that was very classy. He had a way about him. I remember he was a little bit uh, overweight, he was a little bit chubby, but he was like very charismatic and uh, he owned restaurants. And he had this big Mercedes Benz. And I was 15 at the time. And um, he wanted to take me and my sister to lunch. And I got in the back of the car and he goes, he called me Timmy. He used to call me Timmy back there, Timmy Story. And he goes, let me close the door, watch. And he goes, he closed it. And Kayla, it went, poom pa poom It didn't go like, <laughs> it uh, went, And I went, someday I'm gonna get a car. That goes boom boom. But then the guy gets in the in the front seat and he's driving and he's listening to really cool jazz music. I'm like, this dude, he's got something about him. So by observing him, I said, I want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. So we can really get out of a rut by education, conversation, and observation.
1: Beautiful. I love that. Switching gears a little bit more. What advice would you give to someone? And this kind of goes back to what how we first started this um this episode, but what advice mm-hmm. would you give to someone currently facing adversity and struggling to see a way forward? Basically, how do you turn around a step back into a comeback and things that you can do that are that they are facing now and and how can they start to get out of that
2: okay so i'm going to give them steps that i use on clients that i coach so first of all you have to become awake okay you have to become awake the the word awake means to be conscious like like you've been asleep you took a nap You become awake. The second thing you have to do is you have to take inventory. That's the difficult thing with most people. They don't want to take real inventory. Mm -hmm. Like, again, where is my mindset? Where am I physically? Where am I emotionally?
1: Which, I'm sorry to interrupt you, which requires for you to look at what's in front of you, what's happening, and accepting the reality of right of and and taking accountability of of your life is the way it is, is because of your decisions.
2: Yes, looking at yourself without a filter. Mm -hmm. So the great thing about pictures nowadays is that man, some of these women can make me look so beautiful. Uh, If I take a picture of myself and I post it, it's gonna be okay. (laughs) <laughs> but I have some people that go, Tim, no, 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 no. Don't post it. And don't even let Joseph post it for my team. Send it to me. And I'm like, damn, I look <laughs> 20 years older. <younger." laughs>
1: I know that's like, I'm the same way. I'm like, don't post any photos until I touch it, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, you're exactly right. So it's looking at yourself with no filters. So you take you take inventory. So watch, you wake up, take inventory. Thirdly, this is what's important. This is what you've done. You got to partner with the right people. So you got to partner with power. So this is one reason why I'm glad you're doing this podcast. is because you're bringing on people that are your friends or people that you think could add value. And now you're allowing other people to listen. Okay. And they can partner with power. So you, you have to partner with power. You need another perspective. You need another point of view. So watch, awake, inventory, partner with power. And then here's what you need. You need principles. And that's what you're about. You got really back into your Bible. You really got back into your church. You got back into doing things right. And your principles started to unfold the right plan.
1: I want to go back to the third step, which is bringing the right people into your life. So for those listening that are not going to open a podcast, they're, they're not putting, they're not doing anything like that. What can they do to start putting the right people in their life? Because I think, you know, and this is coming from experience. I, not until this year, before this year, I struggled with, You know i have my purpose i know what i should be doing i know my calling but my problem was that i didn't have the right people around me
0: and it really wasn't
1: instilled until i thank god gave me a platform being on netflix i then started being exposed to huge opportunities that allowed me to meet certain people And kind of get into the, you know, back into the world I'm in right now, but open even more doors to get surrounded by people. But not everyone has that kind of opportunity that I've gotten. So, what can the everyday person do to start bringing in, or I guess you could say, attracting the right kind of people into their lives?
2: Okay, that's such a great question that I deal with all the time. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for people to just take action. Because like when the pandemic hit and we were all at home and all of a sudden we were on Zoom, we were watching uh, Netflix, Hulu, we were watching all these things that we never watched that much, right? So once we were able to like get out of being quarantined, that I would coach people and I would say, You need to get out and do something unusual. For some, it would be like taking a cooking class. This is really smart stuff. Watch where I'm going to take you. So one lady I was coaching is a very top executive. And I said, you should consider taking a cooking class. And I actually had my team research classes that she could take in her area. And she was like, oh, my God, that was so smart. Or you should take yoga for the first time, or you should. You said you used to be a person that that uh, used to ride bicycles. You should you should join a group that does it on Saturdays. Okay. So what I challenge people to do is take little steps to just even get into a community environment. It's it's not like saying hi, I'm Kayla. I need friends. No. <laughs> Just get in a class, get in a group. And it's amazing how we learn to connect once again. But it it really is little steps like this. I promise.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I love that. That's really, really good. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. I do that. I'm I'm in a, I take yoga. I take yoga privately, but I'm trying to get better so I can go in a class. I'm going to take a cooking class coming up because I want to learn how to cook correctly and so even as Tim's story who's on all these big stages uh I am always looking to grow my community
1: yeah and you know I'll add to that it's also doing things that you enjoy and that in itself is so important because people get so caught up I know this myself you get so caught up in the rat race and having to work and work and, and to provide and, you know, all the things. And, you know, it's so important for you to do things that are different and fun and makes you smile. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago um, I took my son out to ride bikes and yeah. just, just that alone, it brought so much happiness and I haven't rode bikes in years, but just that alone was like, oh my gosh, now we want to do it like every weekend. And it's just, you know, so it's not just like for, for it's not just to go and meet other people, but it's, it's for you to go outside of what you're doing every day. Cause it's so easy to fall in that automatic, you know, wake up, eat, go I to work. I really
2: like what saying. I like what you're saying because we're talking about watch how to get out of a rut, how to get out of a funk, how to turn your setback to you a comeback. You have to come away, take inventory, partner with the right people. So we're talking about just getting out. Mm-hmm. And because I'm older than you, in in my in my culture at my stage of life, we were always on our bicycles. We were always outside. We were always doing things. We were always playing touch football in the street. <laughs> we were not inside doing a bunch of crap. And man, the neighborhood was like the neighborhood. I knew like every kid on my street, we 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 really all grew from each other. and I and I think that the generation mostly now is missing a lot of that because of this thing right here, this phone, you know, oh. so easy to think you're engaging with people but you're not having human interaction. So if somebody's listening right now and you're in a funk, find a way to get out. Even if you have your master's degree, take a class at a community college. Mm-hmm. Walk around the campus and just feel the energy of human beings.
1: Yeah. That's so powerful. I you just brought back good memories. I know I'm younger than you but I I was the last generation that I grew I did not grow up with I got my first cell phone when I was 18. It was funny. I had a child before I got my first cell phone. <laughs> so That's I didn't yeah. <laughs> So I didn't grow up with, you know, having a phone and you know, I didn't care about um video games or anything, but I do remember when you when I was looking for my friends in my neighborhood, I just had to go look for their bikes all stacked up on top of each other. Right. And then um, I, at that time I grew up in like Santa Ana area. So the taco trucks would come and park on the street and we would just, they would just hang out and we would be going, everyone's doors were open. We would be going in and out of random people's, you know, houses and that, those are good times. So, yeah, I grew up before the, inter- well, no, before the internet.
2: Well, not before but go there for
0: a second. Yeah. I want
2: you to go there for a second because I, I read people's energy very well. So when you're talking about that, like, you know, being outside, the taco trucks, the fact that you didn't like call your friend, you just knocked on the door <laughs> or you just opened up and said, uh, it's Kayla. And they're like, oh, Kayla, come in. Yeah. She's in a room. Um, those were such great days, but that doesn't mean that moments like that are not still here. I guarantee you they are. Let me give you an example. In talking about the setback to the comeback, most people are used to triggering themselves into a negative place. Like, Oh, oh, that's a song I used to listen to when I was dating that guy. So I hate that song, or I I can't go to that restaurant. I can't go to Mastro's anymore because that's where he used to take me. (laughs) Mm. So we trigger ourselves in a bad way, but I trigger myself every day in a good way. Every day of my life, seven days a week, I listen to Motown music. I listen to Stevie Wonder. I listen to Smokey Robinson. I listen to the Jackson Five. I listen to the Diana Ross Supremes. I've done it already today I will do it again tomorrow because it reminds me of little Timmy from Compton and so even though I have all this pressure and I run all these companies and I got people looking for me nonstop to help solve dilemmas in their life man I trigger myself <laughs> I trigger myself to good places don't you Dude, love that
1: I oh God is so good. Oh, absolutely. I still listen to like early two thousand music just to get my like, I don't know, it brings me happiness. like I just I love it so much. Um, is that something you do before like you go on stage or something to speak?
2: Yes, I do. And you were with me uh before when i before I go on stage i I have no stress. I'm not worried because I've done the homework already. And I'm more in a playful state. And I'm just at a place of enjoying. I'll tell you another funny thing that I do. If something really big happens for me, and this is a secret, there's a place called Tommy's Hamburgers that we used to go to after we would, we would go dancing. So we used to go to Westwood, California from Whittier to this really nice nightclub. So I was like 18, but we all had fake IDs. And so we'd go to this place. And then after going to this place in Westwood, we go to Tommy's Burgers that a lot of listeners know about this, but they're very unhealthy and they have chili, a lot of grease in them. So the other day I had something really big happen for my career and all by myself, I rolled up to Tommy's Burgers and I sat in my car and ate a tommy's burger and i felt like i was 18 and a half again what a great feeling (laughs) i triggered myself
1: (laughs) i love that oh my gosh you know what i used to like take myself to the movies just by myself just for fun yeah and i haven't done that in years now you want me to you make me want to do that again, just to feel that again. I love that so much. If I
2: was, if I was, if I was coaching you, let me tell you a couple of things I would do. You ready for this?
1: Sure, give it to me.
2: <laughs> okay. You know, part of being you is such an interesting thing because you're such a good person and you're very kind. You're very caring. You're super smart. And But then God gave you this package, this package of this beautiful woman. And so when you have that package, it's an interesting thing because not everybody embraces you. Some people embrace you like, oh, my God, I love you. Where would you get your eyebrows done? You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Other people look to judge you, look for faults, flaws, failures. It's a lot of work. So if I was coaching you, I want more of these moments that we are discussing right now. I want more triggers that trigger you to the positive, like the riding of the bike, continuing with your son, the the music back to your era, triggering you more often. I need more of like the innocent Kayla moments where you're just like, you're just on that channel. So no no matter what crap people bring you, you're on that channel. That's me. I'm on that channel. It's hard to take me off that channel of like, I'm just okay. Does that make sense?
1: It makes total sense. And yes, I will do that. <laughs> I will definitely do that. For people that are searching and they don't yeah. really know what their purpose in life is, how how does one find that because it's so being in like the reality tv world and yeah. you know seeing seeing some people on my show and other shows i just look at them and i see potential and they're so unhappy with themselves because it shows by how they treat other people i could tell it's because the majority of them are not living their fulfillment, their, their their purpose in life. How does one find that? That is- Yes.
2: Okay. You know, so you're saying it in such a beautiful way. So there was a, a, a Bible teacher by the name of Miles Monroe. And he's in heaven now, but he was one of my great friends. But he says this, life without a purpose is just an experiment. Wow. And what he meant by that, it's almost like if you took a puzzle and you dropped it on a counter and you're just trying to say, okay, if I find the right person, then that's part of the puzzle. If I do this, that's part of the puzzle. And you're trying to formulate this purpose. The reality is, is because we're both into Jesus, but we're both not into religion. And so the reality is, if one aligns himself with god then god will begin to download the purpose so i have a great friend named oprah winfrey so she is one of my best friends we are great friends we do a lot of projects together and oprah said to me she goes tim i love this statement that you say that you do not believe in chasing after dreams you simply cooperate with what heaven has already said
0: Mm.
2: so kayla has been spoken over. So Kayla does not have to find her purpose. Kayla has been spoken over. So Kayla just has to get in alignment to the assignment. How does Kayla do that? My sheep, they know my voice. In another voice, they do not have to follow. So when you stop, look, and listen, God will put you in alignment to your assignment and all of a sudden you'll be walking in your purpose and that's what's happening to you right now.
1: Yeah, I just got chills. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. <laughs> that was so beautiful and so profound. And I just know that that is going to touch everyone that is listening to this today. And that's so important. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. You know, from experience, I knew I was going in the right direction, but I couldn't seem to like, I knew there was more, but I just, I couldn't seem to, and this is before I, I recommitted to God. I just yeah. recommitted to God on seven, seven 23 this year. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. yes. And
1: it wasn't really until I knew I was on the right path, but there was something missing. And one of, believe it or not, one of my cast members, she's a new cast member on the show. She loves Jesus. And so she, she spoke to me and it pushed me over the ledge pretty much. And I made a decision. I was prayed over a few times, you know, they said some things to me um, that just made me just start bawling. And I knew I was in the right direction. I just, I was playing with things that I shouldn't have been playing with. Like I was getting into like crystal stuff because like I always considered myself very spiritual. I grew up in a Christian household, but a very hypocritical Christian household. And then my mom, which I shared time with back and forth, was an atheist. So Mm -hmm. it, you know, so I had, I was confused my whole life. I had questions (laughs) and I was kind Mm -hmm. of the rebel, the black sheep of the family because I would ask questions and you just don't do that. You know, back then, you know, 30 years, 20 years ago, but he spoke to me one night I was in my bed. He spoke to me one night, which I thought I was meditating that. No, it it was like, I was sitting there in silence and that's when God spoke to me and I just it was like a slap in the face. So the next day I recommitted seven, seven, And then no joke right after that, it's like all these doors started opening for me. And then I was meeting all the right people. I even met, um, you know, like Emily, which was heaven sent. Yes. She is, she is an earth angel like, you, lady. Oh my gosh. Absolutely adore her. And we, I met her for the first time sharing the same stage. We we're speaking together and she started opening up about God. And what I love so much about that is that she wasn't afraid to do so. And so it kind mm-hmm. of gave me permission to, because the people, people that, be, you know, believe in God and is a Christian, sometimes I hold back with speaking about it, you know, like in public, especially yeah. being on platforms that I'm on, you don't hear a lot of people speaking about it. So, right. um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, as soon as I recommitted to him and I went through a deliverance, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, we don't have to go into that right now. I know. Intense,
2: intense. Huh, Yes.
1: Very intense. It was intense. Like I'll, I'll tell you my experience later, but it was very intense. And so, but anyways, to kind of, you know, respond to what you just said. Absolutely. That that's the missing link for people to go over that kind of plateau right it's it's your relationship with god and and to look into that there's
2: there's no there's no doubt about it and the thing the thing for you kayla is that the beauty of life is that we all go through recovery and discovery at the same time mm-hmm. so you have been going through recovery of past challenges some present challenges but at the same time you allowed god to say hey kayla there's still the discovery zone mm. and that life is unfolding so what I get to watch in looking at your life is how you are beautifully being uncovered you know how powerful that is so good no um. you're beautifully being uncovered like so if you think you've done a lot you're just scratching the surface um I remember one time, I was speaking at this event and I looked out and there was Denzel Washington watching me speak and he was smiling. And I would find in my events uh, before I started a big Hollywood Bible study that I started, I would look out in all these random cities and I'd see stars all the time. They'd be on sets of movies. I was only in my 20s and a lot of stars started to come and watch me speak because that was part of God's plan for my life. But I remember I was like a little kid kind of smiling like, that is so wild. Then they'd come to the back room and I'd say, why don't you come to see me? And they would say, cause you're you. Cause you explain God in a way that I actually get you're not judgmental. You're not overly religious and you really make me want to get closer to God. I see a lot of similarities in the call that God has in your life, where he's giving you these platforms because The show that we watch on Netflix, that's just one platform. God has given you all these different platforms to just shine, okay? And to also be vulnerable and teach people, you don't have to sit, settle, or cement yourself in your setback.
1: Boom, love that, so beautiful. Mic drop. I just (laughs) dropped them,
0: I just dropped it.
1: Yeah, so good. That's like the perfect piece. That might actually be the title of this episode. Um, due to time, I'm gonna wrap it up. I could talk to you all day. This has been so great. Um, so the I want last... to be on your
2: show again. I wanna be back on.
1: I was just about to say that I really hope this is not the last time. So um no,
2: I will come on, but I will come back on and uh, um we'll continue to talk about setbacks to comebacks, comeback and beyond. But thank you for doing podcasts. Thank you for helping so many people. Thank you for rising up one more time. And um, it's wonderful to watch.
1: Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate that. One last question to wrap it up. In your definition, what does pain to power mean to you?
2: Pain to power means that... We turn our mess into a message and our test into a testimony. So I've now spoken in 70 countries of the world, up to 85,000 people at one time. That's pain to power.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Tim, for taking your time out of your day to be here with me and for us listeners. Um, really appreciate you so much and until next time
2: (laughs) yes good conversation